lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. Boy, do we have a jam-packed show today for you. Greetings. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show. Live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. I am Steve Dace Totters and is here with me, as is Aaron McIntyre. 888-900-3393 is the number. If you would like to join us as well, 888-900-3393. Steve at stevedace.com is the email address. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show while you still can because they're dropping us like flies over there right now. More on that in a moment. You can also follow us on Parlor now at Steve Day. Something tells me that all kinds of people. I know they recently, like a month ago, added like 500,000 registered, new registered users over at Parlor. Yeah, traffic's about to go up there all the more, I'm guessing, based on events of the last 24 hours. Uh, you can also uh, go to our new YouTube page, youtube.com slash Steve Dace. That's where you can get free samples of this show that you can then share with others after you've sampled them yourself. YouTube.com slash Steve Dace. I mentioned it's a jam-packed show here today. Um... Coming up at the bottom of the hour, my good friend Congressman Chip Roy will be joining us. Next hour, fake news or not. And I'm going to show you some real news. What, what, what's real news look like? What's real science look like? What's real news look like? Right, We have spent so much time during that segment over the last few years breaking down the false idol, right? Sometimes I wonder, would we recognize the real thing when it ever showed up. I, I had a chance. I asked Ruth Graham Lotz once. How many how often does she spend time discussing um, fake variations of the faith and and breaking those down compared to um, you know preaching the actual gospel? And she said, you know, I just find that the the, the more I spend sharing the real thing, the less people are interested in the counterfeit, right? Okay. And I'm reminded of uh, something John Wooden said, that he never actually broke down film. They didn't like break down a film of the opponent. They didn't have film sessions. He's like, I'm just going to go out and get the best players. If I've got the best players, as long as, if, if I've got Bill Walton and Lou Alcindor and Jamal Wilkes and Gail Goodrich, I have those guys. I, I don't really care what your tendencies are. <laughs> You're not beating me with those guys. So I don't need to be so focused on the opponent. I've got the best players. I got to make sure that they play up to their best capability, right? Yeah. Now, I think that can go too far because it's really hard to make sure that you get all those guys, even if you are Alabama these days. But I do think the general principle that we can spend so much time diagnosing and deconstructing that which is fake. What would real media and real science look like. We're going to show it to you today in fake news or not. And then we're going to talk about the war against big tech. That's in Pop Culture Tuesday because it is on. I mean, big tech last night has full bore escalated this conflict. We'll get to more of that here in a moment. But as another reminder, when you have an opportunity, and it's, it's increasingly scarce or scarce, do we know how that's pronounced either? Is it uh, scarce, scarce or scarce? Yeah. It is scarce? scarce. Okay. It is increasingly scarce in our day and age that you can do business with people 
that aren't trying to end your way of life. When that opportunity presents itself, especially when it's with a product pretty much we all have to utilize these days, a mobile phone, take full advantage of it. Go check out our friends at Patriot Mobile. Uh, they share your values. They never charge you hidden fees. And they don't send your hard-earned money to the causes that are trying to end your way of life. Instead, they support the same values that you do. They love this country, too. And switching is easy. You can keep your phone number, bring your own phone, buy a new one. And right now, when you join their family of freedom-loving Americans, get free activation plus a free gift with the offer code Steve. That's a free activation plus a free gift with the offer code Steve. Switching is easy. 972-PATRIOT. That's the number. 972-PATRIOT. Or go online to PatriotMobile.com slash Steve. PatriotMobile.com slash Steve. And here's Aaron with a rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by the biggest scandal of the millennium. The vast majority of what I'm about to share with you is courtesy of Matt Margolis, writing at PJ Media. According to the Washington Post and citing data from Yelp, 26,160 restaurants that were open on March 1st have closed. 60% of those closures are permanent. 26,119 shopping centers and retailers that were opened on March 1st have closed, with 48% of those permanent. Over 13,000 spas and beauty salons have closed. 36% of those are permanent. Over 5,000 bars have closed. 45% are permanent. Nearly 5,000 fitness centers have closed. 39% permanent. Also, according to this same data set, permanent closures of businesses due to the pandemic are outnumbering temporary closures. According to our world and data, the United States still leads the planet in daily COVID tests per 1,000 people. The U.S. also leads the planet in daily confirmed COVID cases per million people. But when you adjust for testing, according to data from the COVID tracking project, the graphs tell a different story. According to data from the Florida Department of Health and COVID USA, the death rate in New York is still 569% higher than it is in Florida. High schoolers have a greater risk of dying from falling down the stairs, 1 in 130,000, than dying from COVID, 1 in 227,000. According to data from the Texas Department of Health, cases of and deaths from coronavirus at the border still vastly outweigh cases and deaths in the rest of the state. The case fatality rate for people in Florida who tested positive for the virus in June and early July is at least 4 to 6% lower than those who tested positive in April and May. That's derived from data from the Florida Department of Health. Kids under the age of 15 have a better chance of getting hit by lightning, 1 in 700,000, than dying from COVID, 1 in 1.7 million. Without comorbidities, it's 1 in 8.5 million. 5,697 people have died from coronavirus in Sweden, according to Our World and Data. That works out to around 564 deaths per million. That's better than the UK, Spain, and Italy. There's some data you won't see reported hardly anywhere else. And then there's this. Yesterday in Washington, D.C., a group of doctors calling themselves America's frontline doctors gathered to hold a press conference with the aim of educating Americans on the benefits of hydroxychloroquine in treating coronavirus and to sound the alarm bells about an alleged disinformation campaign against the decades-old drug and to warn the country about the dangers of lockdown. 
The group is made up of several medical doctors from across the country, including some with degrees from the University of Southern California School of Medicine, Chicago Medical School, the University of Texas, UC Irvine, UCLA, and Columbia Medical Schools, just to name a few. At this point, I'd normally share with you some of the doctors' comments, but I can't. Last night, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter engaged in a systematic campaign to remove all traces of the press conference from their platforms, saying the press conference contained disinformation about coronavirus. They removed all traces of the press conference, save for one lady, a Houston doctor who's not even listed on the group's website, who received her training in Nigeria and who has written and spoken about demon sperm and lizard people. I'm not saying there's an agenda, but make of that what you will. And that's what happened while we were away. Aaron's montage brought to you by Home Title Lock. Deborah could not believe this was happening to her until it actually did. It's called home title fraud. It's a devastating crime that can cost you your home, and title fraud is not. <clears throat> Repeat, not covered by your homeowner's insurance. The only folks that I know you can trust to protect your home's title is Home Title Lock. Cyber thieves have discovered the titles to our homes are now kept online. So they forge your name on your deed, stating you sold your home to them and then refile themselves now as the new owner. And in Deborah's case, she didn't even find out she was a victim of this until the eviction notice arrived. Home Title Lock, that, that is obviously bad home title lock puts a virtual barrier around your home's title so that doesn't happen to you the instant they detect tampering they mobilize to shut it down but first things first go to hometitlelock.com and register your address to see if you're already a victim and don't even know it yet again that's at hometitlelock.com you can register your address uh, and, and find out right now and while you're there you can use the promo code Steve to get 30 free days of protection at HomeTitleLock.com. 30 free days of protection at HomeTitleLock.com with promo code Steve at HomeTitleLock.com. So let's let's get to the montage, shall we? That, that collection, that, that compilation from PJ Media, there's, there's just... I, there's so much more where that where that came from. And I I I don't understand cuz it it doesn't make any sense. I I don't understand why there's not a political party in America. Can you can you think is there a political party in America? Is there an event later this year in a political party in America that isn't polling well that could use some good news who is up against enemy media who is pounding a narrative that the world is about to end from this virus and and they could use all the good news they could get to counter that narrative could you could you think of an entity like that yeah for sure that's but even before now that's kind of the state of being of yeah. this party is it not you can't even count on them just to tweet stuff out now like we're the ones actually going out now and getting this information we're doing all the legwork it used to be see the, here's the way this is supposed to work the people in the political parties whose whose careers are on the line every election they're supposed to do all this work find friendly people in the media to their point of view like me take it to people like me Show me it's true so that I will then take it to all of you, right? That's the way that this is supposed to work. Instead, what goes on now is we do all the research ourselves. They don't do any of it. They're like not even looking for this stuff. 
We do all this ourselves, and we have to take it to them to care more about their reelect than they obviously do. And we can't even get them to tweet it out. But we could get Debbie Burks to go to Nashville yesterday to try to tell the governor to shut the state down and put everybody in a face diaper. We did get that yesterday. We got that. This is the Sisyphus show. We just roll the boulder up. Goes yes, down, yes. We roll it back up. Well, yep, yes. Rolls back down. Yes. Very meaningful. No, yeah. no, no, no. Yes, that's what's happening. No, I'm not happy about it. And I'm just going to keep doing this. I don't know to what end. I really don't. I don't know to what end. I just don't know what else to do. I don't know what else to do when we're being lied to like this. I, I, I have to tell the truth. I, I, I mean, I have to. It's like ingrained in me. I was made this way. I just, I, I, I cannot allow this to go unchallenged and unabated. Even if it goes nowhere and they screw us forever... I have to do this. I, I don't know what the end game will be. In fact, I've, I've given up on there being one at this point. I, I've exhausted myself trying to get this information to a White House I didn't even vote for four years ago. So I, I, I'm not doing it anymore. I'm not. You know, I've been turned down enough. <clears throat> and it's not, and it, hey, I get it if you don't want it from me. I wasn't your pal four years ago. But trust me, it's not just me that's attempting to do this. There's all kinds of people that have been friendly to them this entire time. They're not taking it from them either. So I don't, I don't know what to do. Other than I'm just going to come on the air here every day. I'm going to tell as much truth as I possibly can and know. And then I'm just going to let what happens. I, I'm not responsible for it. But I, I cannot remain silent while you're just sitting here being lied to like this. I mean, the guy at CDC Redfield came out and said yesterday they're more concerned about suicides from lockdown depression than they are COVID-19. <laughs> but then he turned right around after saying this he turned right around and said, but if you guys don't all wear a mask, we're going to have to just lock down some more. What do you do with that? What so right, right now, right now, right now, he says, this is the head of our CDC, our public health department. He says he's more concerned about escalating suicides from lockdown depression than he is the COVID-19 death rate. And he should be. We did not have a good week for COVID-19 deaths last week compared to where we had been. We still barely made it above the epidemic line. We've been below the epidemic line a few times in the last month. So he should be more concerned about the escalating suicides and the COVID-19 death rate. But then he turns around and says, if you don't all wear a mask, we're just going to have to do more lockdowns. Why would we do more of the policy that you just got done telling us is more devastating than the virus itself? Why, why would you do that? 
And what I find fascinating too is there's like nobody asks that. Like in, in the nobody in the media just nobody. Nobody asks that. Uh point of order, uh, Mr. Redfield, but uh how does that make any sense? Nothing. This is I mean it's it's cosmic, man. Like Is that a trumpet I hear off in the background? I mean, this is just cosmic. Yesterday, there was a long story at Yahoo telling you what I've been telling you most of this year. There are not high odds you're ever going to see a coronavirus vaccine. And if you do, it is going to be like the flu vaccine. It's not like an inoculator, like we're not stamping out COVID-19 like we did smallpox. So we don't even we don't even give that vaccine anymore. It's not that kind of an inoculator. It's a mitigator. And almost depending on how bad this strain is in any given year, half the people who take a flu shot still end up dying. We're getting it. So And that's after, of course, we're being told we can't trust the antibody testing that shows the virus is more widespread and not as lethal. But stay in your home forever until we get a vaccine made of those antibodies we don't trust. From the director of the CDC who admits lockdowns are a disaster and killing people and more people than COVID is. But we need more. We may need more lockdown to stop the COVID that's not as dangerous as the lockdown. I will never again question how the Israelites went down to the valley of Ben Hinnom and just stood in line and waited their turn and probably just sat around holding their kids, chatted. Boy, I wish my crops were doing better. Oh, I've packed on a few pounds in the last year, losing my hair now, getting older. Oh, so and so, you know. Josiah over there, our oldest, is growing like a weed. Right? Yeah. Just having a casual conversation. Meanwhile, up ahead, man, they're just waiting their turn to cast their newborn children into the fire for Molech. And just, they're just chilling like a villain, man. Right? Yeah. I'm never going to ever question again how something like that could go down. I've told you that's one of the most remarkable things in the last year of reading the Old Testament. It, uh, there aren't all the places that were like, Whoa, man, that's crazy. None of it's crazy anymore. There's not a page of it that doesn't seem like it's the instruction manual for right now. Yeah. Like it's being written for right now, which is actually kind of encouraging, Steve, because I know one of your, to speak to what you're talking about, Cosmic, one of your favorite stories, you mentioned it several times, you love Josiah and going back and just tearing down mm-hmm. all the maypoles and high play. Yeah. Well, here we are, man. I, I don't, I mean, I'm just... licensed doctors I don't know if they're right I have no idea if they're right I'm not one here's what I know Uh, every year Michigan and UCLA go back and forth as like the number one rated public universities in the country and didn't you say one of those physicians was a UCLA doctor yeah yeah I mean they, they might be quacks here's one way we find out is if we actually heard what they had to say and studied it 
you know that that Dr. Rish at Yale's piece in Newsweek about hydroxychloroquine, you know it hit the mark. FDA came out last night and reasserted it's not it doesn't it's not good for treating it hgq does not successfully treat covid19 now maybe it doesn't again i don't know but if it doesn't i think harvard or i'm sorry i think yale needs a new director of public health at its or of epidemiology at its public health department don't you think so they might want to look yeah, into that, it again I've used this analogy many times. Christians and Muslims can both be wrong. They can't both be right. They're asserting totally different perspectives on who God is, whether he has a son, etc. They can both be wrong. One can be wrong, the other right, but they can't both be right. So they're not worshiping the same God, right? Similarly, this, these two truths cannot coexist. The FDA may be right about hydroxychloroquine. If so... Yale should fire and remove Dr. Harvey Risch as its chief epidemiologist at its school for public health yesterday. Agreed? Sure. I, absolutely. What? Dude's in the pages of a, mayor, a major American publication saying, use this drug to treat your patients. Recommending doctors all over the country do it. That night, the, or a, a night later, the FDA comes out and says, don't use it. It's bad. Well, somebody's wrong. These two things, and I don't know, there's only a few thousand lives at stake here. <laughs> Nobody like be in a hurry to clarify this for us, right? I mean, what? no sense of urgency is needed here. Take your time. By all means, it's only day 130 of the 15 days to flatten the curve. We got nothing but time. We'll just sit here, wait for you experts to tell us. So which is it? If it doesn't help... Somebody get Dr. Harvey Risch banned, removed, his license revoked, maybe put in prison for urging a drug that doesn't work to save lives, which would then risk lives by giving people false hope rather than real treatment. So either Dr. Harvey Risch is essentially Goebbels. He might be. I don't know. You ever met Harvey Risch? No. I don't have a freaking clue what kind of character he has. I don't know. But I do know this. He's either a quack at best or a Goebbels at worst. Or um, your FDA is just the latest institution that has been corrupted and Antonio Gramsci planted his flag. One of these two things is true. This isn't like claim, counterclaim. The freaking epidemiologist at the School of Public Health for arguably America's finest, most decorated university wrote in a renowned publication to use a treatment against the worst pandemic in a century. The next day, the FDA came out and said, that treatment doesn't work, don't use it. Right? These two things are true, correct? Yeah. We've watched these two things happen. That's not in dispute, right? No. And so we're all just supposed to be like, oh, hell, whatever, man. I don't know. Tiger King? This is also a trail of breadcrumbs, Steve. Back in March, that actor from uh, Lost, the Korean actor, he came out and said, I was treated with hydrochloroquine. Yeah. One of these two things is true. Either 
everybody at the FDA, whoever made that decision, should be tried right now as a fraudster, maybe a traitor. Or Harvey Risch should have his license revoked and he should be arrested right now. But, whatever, man. Cool. And now here's something else I'm concerned about. The Republicans, well, elements within the Republican Party, starting off with the current president, have been saber-rattling against big tech for quite a while now. And I wasn't originally a believer in this, but now I'm wholeheartedly a disciple of it. Changed my mind on this issue once I looked at it from more from a more holistic, more holistic viewpoint. And they and yesterday they banned this video of this doctor. It's just dropped it down the memory hole. Again, I have no idea if they're quacks or not, dude. I don't know, man. I don't know. But if they are, then let's expose them. He actually just gave them more credibility. Sight unseen. Would we have ever tolerated? Let's go back a hundred years. Last time we had a pandemic this bad. If, if, if Ma Bell would have denied phone lines because they didn't like what doctors were saying about a disease, would we have ever tolerated that in any previous generation of America? I don't think no. so. Hell no, we would not. Wouldn't even be contemplated. That's exactly what we're tolerating right now from Google, YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. That is what we're tolerating right now. Now, what's happened here is the Republicans, beginning with Trump, saber-rattled against big tech. It's like that Garth Brooks song, man, The Night I Call the Old Man Out. Do not call the old man out. Unless you're willing to fight. Don't do it. Well, one of the things we have seen throughout the Trump presidency is he loves to tweet threats, and then he doesn't follow through. He loves to tweet threats... And then the left response, they're like, all right, dude, he's mobilizing. Let's roll. Apparently, the term sneak attack or the word surprise is unknown to Donald J. Trump. But he loves to he loves to let you know. It's like he's the quarterback goes to the line of scrimmage. All right, guys, we're snapping the ball on three. Looking at your defense, I think my hot reads, my slot receiver here to the left. That's where the ball is going. And then the defense makes the shift over there. And not only does the quarterback then not psych, throw it to the, throw it to the receiver on the other side of the field, he like doesn't even snap the ball and just lets the clock run out. We get a five-yard delay a game penalty, right? So Big Tech has clearly responded. The amount of times they have deleted Trump tweets. They've now, they've now suspended Don Jr. from Twitter. Big Tech has decided, hey, you want a war? We'll give it to you. Okay. Well, if the previous pattern holds, it's like a buddy of mine texted me, man, I hope you're watching this bar hearing, not in a million friggin' years, right? I'll visit North Korea first. And I'm dead serious. At least they're honest. I'm like, nothing will change. It doesn't matter what he says or how Jerry Nadler got owned. No, nothing changes no matter how many of these Republicans we elect. He texts me back. Yeah, you're right. So hell no, I'm not watching it. But I'd like this pattern to change. Our guys saber rattle, particularly Trump, call the left out. Left's like, he's calling us out, man. We got to mobilize. So they do. 
then our guys follow up with no action at all. And the war still goes on. It's just only one side's like in the battle. Just one side's like advancing. The other army never bothered to show up. Have you noticed this pattern? Yes. We need this one to end. If you're going to go after the most powerful corporation on this planet, Google, because it controls the flow of information in this world, and there is no more, there's no mightier asset, component, collateral on this planet in this digital age than data. If you're going to step to Google, which I'm all for, man, don't bring don't knife to a gunfight, dude. Don't bring a don't bring a spoon. Don't bring don't show up empty handed. You better mean it. Because big tech's calling your bluff right now. This ban and everything they don't like. Right in the middle of the election in broad daylight. And they don't give a care. Right in your face. It's out in the open now. Like what Aaron just pointed out. We're going to ban all the guys with the credentials you've heard about. And then just in, in, in a very racist display. Let's put up the lone black woman so she looks ridiculous, right? Yep. Yeah. And she's a foreigner, so now we're xenophobic. She's from another country. But I guess it's only racist xenophobia when they do it, or when we do it, right? That's correct. Yeah. That is such an obvious in-your-face F-U. I mean, I don't know how to make it more obvious to you than that. So if you're going to call them out, they've answered the call over there at Big Tech. They're like, right, we're your Huckleberry. We'll give you your okay corral if you want it. All right, guys, better show up. Because if they don't, it won't just be those doctors on the front lines that get banned. It'll be all of us, too. Getting involved in the real estate market in any environment can be a stressful time in your life. I've done it a few times, especially when you do the selling on one end, buying on the other, trying to navigate the timing of those two events, and you're at the mercy of now not one but two other parties on the other side of the equation. Very difficult to do without uh, an agent that you can trust, especially though in these precarious times in which we live. That's why there's never been a better time if you need an agent to find one that you can trust. And how do you do that? It's not like when you go on their websites, they're going to say, hey, um, my marketing plan is we just do endless open houses no one shows up to. <laughs> they're not just going to put on their website, if I don't sell your home in like 30 days, I'm, I'm going to probably just get bored and focus on homes that I think have a better chance to sell because I get paid by commission. They're not going to say things like that. That's why you want to go through a place that's already done the vetting for you. And that place, name says it all. Realestateagentsitrust.com. That's the name of the website. That's where you can, anywhere in the country, find an agent that, if you're going into the market, will go all in for and with you. Again, that's the name of the website, realestateagentsitrust.com. Again, that's realestateagentsitrust.com. Let's get next to a good friend of mine. He's also a member of the United States Congress uh, from the state of Texas, although he's not joining us from the state of Texas today. Uh, Congressman Chip Roy joining us now here on Blaze TV Radio and Podcast. Chip, it's good to see you, man. You're outside. Where are you? 
Well, I'm in Old Town, Alexandria, which is, uh, you know, about maybe 10 miles, give or take, from the heart of D.C. Uh, my, my kids are with me this week, and Speaker Pelosi uh, canceled votes today uh, for good reason today. We should be doing our job for the most part, but they're uh, honoring the uh, life of uh you know, a fallen civil rights hero, uh, John Lewis. And, and so um, I've got some time here today with my kids and we're uh, taking them down to Mount Vernon and I'm taking them to some places because uh, I think it's important to do that as a dad. And so I'm in Old Town. I'm at Christ Church, which is in the heart of Old Town, Alexandria. And this is where our founders spent a lot of time, George Washington in particular, obviously. And uh, George Washington was a prisoner at the church right behind us. Of course, unfortunately, it also represents the cancel culture that we have today because they pulled the plaque down commemorating the fact that our first president, the father of our country, uh, spent time in pews in that church. And so I think that's unfortunate, but um, I wanted to uh, stop off here in a very scenic, historic part of Old Town. Well, let's take you back to your home base of Texas, Chip, and where it's at with the virus, and it's got an outdoors mask mandate from the Republican governor down there. It was the new hot spot. Your hospital's being overrun. Uh, It was the new New York I know you know this situation. These are your constituents, right? Yeah. I mean, you represent a district there around the capital of the state. So you're very aware of what is happening. What's the real story in Texas? What's live and what's Memorex here? Well, I'm glad you asked. I mean, look, the truth of the matter is, uh, obviously, we, we had uh, an uptick in what we we're dealing with in Texas. And we'll go back and review what exactly caused all of that. Uh, I think there's a lot of different theories on it. Uh, I certainly think it's hard to ignore the fact that we had a significant number of protests in Houston, Austin, Dallas, and other places. And we saw an uptick right after that, right? We're somewhere around six weeks post-uptick. And what are we seeing now? We're seeing a fairly sizable and significant drop-off. Now, whether that has to do with certain policies or not, we'll, we'll debate that and review it. Uh, my personal view looking at it is uh, what we're seeing is the virus run its course, uh, get around and go around the country. It's a virus. A lot of very smart epidemiologists, you've talked about them significantly, whether it's Mr. or Dr. Ian Edis at Stanford or whether it's Scott Atlas or whether it's the Yale uh, epidemiologist who's now talking about hydroxychloroquine, whether it's the Oxford uh, epidemiologist and, and um, academic that have been written, writing, writing reports about our kids going back to school. Uh, we're seeing a significant number of very smart um, doctors and academics reach conclusions about the virus being out, that you can't lock down in order to avoid it, that we need to engage, open our economy, get our kids back to school, <clears throat> you know, adapt here and there where it's appropriate. And we're seeing that. The numbers in Texas are falling right off the cliff again. And that makes sense. And for all of the lauding of Cuomo, New Jersey and New York had 32,000 deaths. Okay, let's think about that. That is seven times the number of deaths that we've had in Texas for a relative similar amount of population, about 30 million people. Again, let me repeat that. They've had 32,000 deaths. We've had about 6,000 and change, seven times the number. This, by the way, keeping in mind that we've got a very porous and open border where we've got cross traffic back and forth and uh, that we've had a massive uptick in Mexico and in other areas within the southern hemisphere, down south of Brazil, and, and traffic moving up through into Mexico. So this is something we're dealing with, but we're very proud. Texas is actually doing very well. And you wouldn't know it from the media who is out there talking about how great Cuomo is doing just by
despite the fact he shoved a bunch of people into nursing homes, killing them, and was promoting the lawlessness and the riots on the streets, which, of course, was another factor in the spread of the virus. So uh, I think that's where we are. And I think you'll see and watch in the coming couple of weeks. Uh, there was a significant data change yesterday. You had a spike of another six or 700 deaths added to our tally. But now what we're doing is we're counting deaths in real time. The benefit of that is you're going to actually see, I think, we'll see how much those numbers have been dropping off. One of the jobs you have in Congress is oversight of organizations like CDC. Chip, help me to understand how the director, Mr. Redfield, at CDC came out yesterday and said he is more concerned about suicides and the uh, the, the effects of lockdown right now than he is uh, deaths of COVID-19. And then turned right around after saying that and said, though, that if you don't mask up, we're going to need to do more lockdowns. Help us to understand how you're currently more concerned about the impact of lockdown than the COVID. But if we don't mask up to stop the COVID, we're going to get more of the lockdown that you're more concerned of than the COVID. Can you help me to understand? I, I'm, I think I'm reasonably intelligent. Can you help me to understand what in the Sam Hill that means? I don't know what that means. Well, uh, I just hope I can always maintain the standard of reasonable intelligence. I'm not sure I always make it, but, uh, <laughs> but I agree with you, my friend. And look, it's very frustrating the back and forth and the misinformation that we constantly get from those who were supposed to be uh, are supposed to be our experts making these uh, you know uh, declarations of what our policy should be uh, this by the way and you know there was some infamous little dust up in the Republican conference last week well look we were having a policy debate this wasn't personal I was raising the question that you're raising right now and whether or not we should be listening to fauci or any of the other uh, experts that are the only ones seemingly in the room as opposed to the larger group of doctors and epidemiologists that I think have much to say about this in a very positive way about where we're headed and, and where we can do in opening our society, opening our schools. The point you're making, the CDC, the CDC director is absolutely right about the second order health impacts. Now, you'll go back and your listeners can go back and look at foxnews.com. I wrote about this on April 6th. April 6th, so three and a half months ago, about what this is going to mean for suicides, what this would mean for opioid addiction, what this would mean for mental health issues, what this would mean for domestic violence, what this would mean for cancer screenings, shutting down our schools, stopping people from getting elective procedures. It is mind-numbingly stupid, absolutely asinine, what our country has been doing in terms of impacting the people of our country, not allowing them to get the health care of their choice. Let's take this whole, this whole current hydroxychloroquine fight. I don't have to even take a position because I'm not a doctor, neither are you, on the efficacy and the appropriateness of uh, prescribing hydroxychloroquine. I can study data. I can look at it. I can draw my own conclusions. What I can say with absolute certainty is no government bureaucrat should stand between you and your doctor and the ability to get health care. If a doctor believes that hydroxychloroquine is going to help save your life or prevent you from getting this illness, then why in the hell are government bureaucrats standing in the way of it? And then why in the hell are we having media folks censor that? This is the reality of what we're facing. The CDC director now bouncing around back and forth on that. Stick to the message. You're right about the second order health impacts. If you you go down the road of lockdown, you're going to be damaging human beings, damaging children. The number of children that are now uh, running around fearful and like, well, I'm not wearing a mask or you go to a pool. Can I, we, I, I had my two kids were with two dear friends of mine's kids last night and they asked the question, well, can I go up and can I hug them? 
right? This is what we're putting in the minds of yeah, six-year-olds, eight-year-olds. You know what? To hell with you people who are screwing up the minds of a next generation of Americans. I'm not going to stand it. I think we can still salvage it. We can demonstrate to our kids and grandkids we stood up against this nonsense. We stood up for a free America, and that's where we're going to go. Well, since you went there, let me ask what could be an uncomfortable question, but my audience would like to know the answer to it, okay? Is there, how many people in your party, when we're not around and the cameras are off, do they truly understand how bewildered and frustrated their constituents and voters are across the country? For example, we began this show showing a montage of data that's easily available out there that was compiled by PJ Media. This is the kind of stuff that in years past, when, when you worked for people like Ted Cruz and John Cornyn, here's how the process would work. Your job and your office's jobs was to come up with data like this to counter fake news narratives from the left. You would then contact people like me with large platforms and say, hey, you know, can you help us get this message out? And if we thought it checked out, we would amplify your message, right? That's the way this process used to work, right? That's how we used to do this. What we do now is people like me do all this research. Take it to people like the White House and senators and congressmen, and then they don't do anything with it. Like, even when it would benefit them. Instead, we see Debbie Burks go to Nashville and urge Tennessee to uh, put diapers in everybody's face and shut down. Do they understand how frustrated and bewildered at their actions their own constituents are across the country that they seem to be fighting back against this flat earth junk science more than the damn Republican Party is and they're the ones that are going to get creamed by it on, in, in 98 days we're not we're not on the ballot your, your peers are they're the ones that are going to get annihilated by what's coming here if we don't stand up and, and stand up to this chip do they understand this uh, for the most part, they do not understand it at the level that they should, in my humble opinion. Um, I'm trying to make that front and center. I'm trying to raise the point, the profile that it is my belief. And I'll look, I'm going to speak directly to the president of the United States, the vice president, the task force, the administration, my colleagues right now. Uh, the fact of the matter is we should hold massive public hearings. I don't care who holds them. We can't hold them in the House because Speaker Pelosi's in charge. Then hold them in the Senate. Go wrap Mitch McConnell in the back of the head. Go to the president. Go to the vice president. Let's get a hearing where we line up uh, the, the, you know, five, six, eight, 10, 12 of the, of the prominent doctors from institutions like Stanford, Oxford, Yale, all over, you know, all over the country, all over the world who are sounding the alarm on what we're doing with lockdowns, sounding the alarm of what that means for mental health and well-being, sounding the alarm of what we can do to actually appropriately combat this while still being open, allowing our kids to go to school and do the right thing. Let's have that hearing. Let's make Dr. Fauci, Dr. Burks, and others answer those questions in the same room as Dr. Atlas, is the mm-hmm. same room as Dr. Ioannidis, as the same room as all of these other great experts. So this is what I'm telling the administration. This is what I'm telling my peers. This is what I'm calling on and calling for. And I think we need this desperately to shine a light on the absolute uh, fraud that is being perpetrated on the American people of fear. We are literally purposefully allowing the government and or not allowing, we are purposefully causing fear among the American people by virtue of the actions or inactions of our government leaders and then allowing the media to spin up that fear. Uh, that is unfortunate. 
and it is costing lives and it is costing economic activity, it is costing jobs, it is costing uh, mental health, and uh, and it's frankly undermining our, our, our national security and the health of our nation. And frankly, I don't think that's accidental. I think that is uh, uh, by design that it is all about November and all about reclaiming power in November. And I think on November 4th, there'll be a magic awakening of how uh, how we can suddenly beat the virus. So what do we do? I, I don't know what to do, Chip. I mean, I, I, I mean I've, I'm exa- I've exhausted myself trying to reach friends of mine and people I know that work in a White yeah. House that I didn't even vote for four years ago, frankly. I, I've just given up on that. I mean, I, I'm going to take, you know, the first, you know, 75 times it went nowhere. Yep. I decided to keep fighting. When we got to 96 times of it going nowhere, I finally got the message, okay? Yeah. But I, I don't know what to do other than just keep, come in here every day and tell the truth. To what end? I don't know. So that's, that's, that's my final question for you. we got about a minute here what what's what's what do we do if your colleagues will not pick up the you know pick up what we're laying down here what do we do well i think this is we got to take a page out of our past books you said it we're a little different now the people need to be speaking in a way that the uh, elected leaders aren't necessarily hearing demand it that's the bottom line when you demand it, they do ultimately listen. Demand that we get the science right. Demand that we get the information out there. Demand that we go on offense, that we get out there and make sure that the American people understand the actual truth and that we can get through this and we be positive. And by the way, let's demand that we actually hold some of these technology companies accountable for shutting down speech, mm-hmm. for limiting. You know, they're shutting down Don Jr. because Don Jr. retweeted a press conference that occurred yesterday. I met a bunch of those doctors who were raising questions about HCQ, hydroxychloroquine, and how it could be effective. Again, I'm not a doctor, but I want to hear from them. They're doctors and they're treating patients. Why, what, what are people afraid of? What are we afraid of doing? You know, why shouldn't we hear more opinions? When I had cancer, my doctor prescribed something. I went and got a second, third, fourth opinion. And you know what? I ended up treat, trusting his advice in the end, but only, you know, after I went and got a second opinion. What are people afraid of? Let's go through this and let's put that information out there. The American people should demand it of every single one of the representatives. Burn down the phones. Burn down the phones of the White House. Start start raising a fuss. Say, this is my country. I want my country back and I want to live healthily and I don't want a bureaucrat, government or insurance or otherwise, standing between me and my doctor, me and my ability to stay healthy, me and my ability to live free. And that's what's happening and we need to stop it. Demand it. That's the bottom line. Demand it. Congressman Chip Roy, good to see you, brother. Thanks as always. You All do, right. my friend. All right, have a good God day. God bless you. Keep up, keep up the fight, man. Well, we can do this. All right, man. You too. You too. You the same. Appreciate it. God bless. You got your back. Take care. All right. Thoughts on that conversation? He's been on roughly once a month since the uh, COVID uh, lockdown started, and I find it incredibly courage- encouraging personally to have him on because that concern I have of what happens to people when they go to Washington D.C. He's Exhibit A. B, C, D. For he, he's only gotten tougher and stronger the longer he's been in D.C. In my estimation, I just think people need to see that he, he doesn't always know exactly what to do, uh, but he, he, the man is resilient. Um, and I, like I said, it's inspiring to know that someone will stand the post. Like you said, you don't know if you're going to get results, yeah. but I will stand this post because I love my country. Yeah, and it is it is encouraging to to hear from Chip Roy. Um, if nothing else, if if nothing else, just to know that it can be done. You can go to Washington D.C. There can be people in Washington D.C. 
who actually somehow become just as resolute or or become more resolute in in their beliefs and their um, conviction than they were before. But like everything nowadays, the knowledge that that can happen, it just makes me more angry. The times we've been lied to. That's my frustration. If it was clear that, you know, church was dead, everything was dead, country was against us, I'd just learn to live with it. That's not true. And that's why I'm so frustrated. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yes. All right. Hour two is next. We're back with Hour 2, live and on demand on Blaze TV radio podcast. Steve Dace here with Todd Erzin and Aaron McIntyre coming up in the overtime today. If you're a Blaze TV subscriber, we're going to give you an update on where things are at in a country that, unfortunately, in the minds of many, no longer exists. Gone. Swept away. Sent down the memory hole, which is odd because the people that have erased it from polite society for much of my career were obsessed with us becoming like it. And now suddenly that I'm like, talk to me because I'm just driven by data. All right. If you want to tell me, hey, this works, I'll listen. Suddenly it's like, nah. You know, uh, you may have heard of this place before. They that, that At times, they've played some good hockey there. It's a place, it's a magical place known as Sweden. How are they handling what they're doing in Sweden? That'll be the topic in today's overtime. BlazeTV.com slash Dace will have the latest information for you. Just... We're just going to show you the data. That's it. No editorializing. You just look at it yourself. BlazeTV.com slash Dace. That's where you can go if you're not already a Blaze TV subscriber to get a discounted subscription so you don't miss today's overtime and all of the other exclusive content we're doing for you constantly here at Blaze TV. Let us know what you think about what we think via the SteveDace.com inbox. You can email us there. Steve at SteveDace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show at Parlor at Steve Dace there. YouTube.com slash Steve Dace is where you can get free clips of the show to sample yourself as well. YouTube.com slash Steve Dace. And if you like the podcast, thank you. If you haven't done it yet, please hit that subscribe button wherever you podcast from and leave us a five-star review because the more of those we get, the more it helps the podcast to grow. We have gotten thousands of these. Uh, from you guys in the audience. Thank you very much for all of those. Keep them coming. And who knows? Maybe you can leave, you know, if you've already done one, just leave some more. I don't know if the duplicates count, but we'll be happy nevertheless. All right, let's get to fake news or not. Brought to you by Omega XL. You know, let's have a conversation about pain, whether it's your back, whether it's your knees, uh, your neck or shoulder pain. The underlying cause is likely inflammation. 
And you have to defeat that inflammation so that it does not cause permanent damage. Backed by 35 years of clinical research, here's a solution for you. Omega XL, because it attacks the inflammation that's causing your pain and it neutralizes the source. That inflammation that is causing the symptoms of uh, stiff joints, pain, stiff muscles, etc. I use this in my daily uh, regimen. It's part of my uh, preventative health measures. I take it after every one of my workouts each and every single day. That's part of my recover workout recovery. So if you want to give Omega XL a shot and see if you see similar results to what I have seen, which is why I asked the company to send me more. So much I like it. All right, get a second bottle for free right now when you buy one. So buy one, get one free. When you visit OmegaXL.com slash Steve, that's OmegaXL.com slash Steve or give them a call if you're old school 800-844-4888 that's 800-844-4888 alright I want to go to and I've got my transcript of it here on my phone but I want to go to a conversation that was had uh, with the head epidemiologist in Sweden Anders Tegnell is his name Anders Tegnell and this is what we call fake news or not. Now, typically how this works is I put up a, a series of clips that can be questionable if they're fake news or a few of them are clearly fake and a couple aren't. And then you guys, you know, you, Todd and Aaron, you two kind of decipher and navigate the map from there on which is which, right? Correct. Today, I'm not going to do that this week because here's something we don't get a lot anymore. Real news and real science and real data. Today, I'm just going to put up the actual real thing, 100 proof, man, and let you two get drunk on it. And then once you're hung over, or at least buzzing a little bit, I'm going to let you talk when I go through this. Okay? You ready for this? Of course. All right. So this is an interview that Anders Tegnell, he is the head epidemiologist. He's the Anthony Fauci. No, actually, I should take that back. I don't think he's like an antichrist or anything. So um, he's... He's who you're being told Anthony Fauci yeah. is supposed to be. Yeah. Okay. Except he's actually that person and he's gotten results. Now, they've not been perfect, right? There's, it, it's it's kind of hard on the fly being batting perfect against the worst pandemic in a century with a virus mutation we've never seen before, right? We're not asking for perfect. Sure. It's just our guy, well... Uh, his batting average looks like what it happens when he tries to throw out the first pitch at a Washington Nationals game. Yeah. He's, he's batting nothing. Like, nothing and you'll like it. Okay? He says New York did it yeah. right. Yeah. That's, that's, that's his model. His home state, which is still responsible for one out of almost every four deaths in America as we speak. Okay? So I want to walk through. This is an interview that Anders Tegnell gave um, on Sweden's uh, response and policies with COVID-19. And this was shared in a Twitter thread, excerpts of it. So if you're watching on Blaze TV, you're going to get the visual. For the audience, I'm going to read this to you. All right? Here's a question. In Sweden, mask use is minimal in almost all settings. Why is Anders Tegnell not even recommending the use of masks? Not, they're not even mandating it, let alone a recommendation. Hey, if you can wear one, you should. Quote, one reason is that the evidence base for using masks in society is still very weak. Now, let me pause here for a second. Imminently, which means it could be later today or next week, but imminently, Denmark is supposed to release the results of the first randomly sampled 
scientific study on the use of masks in society as a means by which to mitigate against COVID-19. All right. Now we have this for all the other recent contagions we faced and they've all shown they largely don't work. Okay. We don't really have anything on COVID-19. Our country won't do one because Anthony Fauci says it's, it's just too dangerous to be without, out there without a mask while he was sitting at the Washington Nationals game without a mask. Um, so we, we, we don't have one of these. We don't know. And now, up until about a month ago, when the mask became politicized, our research assumed that the microbes that carry the virus were too small to be stopped by a mask. And so there was no point to wearing them. On June 16th, the World Health Organization recommended you do not work out with a mask as gyms were reopening around the world. Yesterday, Planet Fitness, which I think is the largest fitness chain in America or one of them, announced that starting August 1st, everybody that comes into their gyms, even to work out, has to wear a mask. So apparently they know something. Are that, they begging for a lawsuit or something? I, I, I guess. They, I, I, I cannot believe that they think it's a good idea for you to just re-ingest yes, all can. that carbon dioxide. You can believe it. Yeah. I hate you. Yeah, I can. Anyway. It's fake news or not segment. <laughs> Thank you for calling fake news on me. You're right. I, I unfortunately can believe it. <laughs> but there wasn't one lawyer who said, folks, do we want somebody we own 3,000 gyms or whatever it's probably not 3,000 just throwing a number out there 500 gyms do we want to take the risk somebody comes in here with a cardiac issue or asthma respiratory issue they're wearing a mask they collapse on a treadmill re-ingesting that that co2 and we get our asses sued do we want it, nobody no one in their entire legal department said are we sure we want to do isn't this isn't this the no chain of gyms that we talked about a couple years ago that kicked out the gal yeah who, yeah we i wrote about a column about it for usa today when i was writing for them yeah they were the first gym to throw you out if you didn't want a man dressing in the women's locker yes that's yeah, yeah so that was them yeah that's why again Let's get back to some real news then, shall we? Anders says, One reason is that the evidence base for using masks in society is still very weak. Even if more and more countries are now enforcing them in different ways, we haven't seen any new evidence coming up, which is a little bit surprising. The other reason is that everything tells us that keeping social distance is a much better way of controlling this disease than putting masks on people. We are worried, and we get it at least, and we get at least tales of this from other countries, that people putting on masks, or people put on masks, and then they believe they can go around in society being close to each other, even going around in society being sick. And that, in our view, would definitely produce higher spread than we have right now. What he's saying is what I'm telling you. Either the masks work or they don't. Either if, if social distancing works, why do I need a mask then if I can social distance? You already you've already marked off the six feet and all these stores and everything else. Yeah. So if, <laughs> why do I need a mask if I can show social distance? And if I and and and, and if I can't social distance and a mask helps me, then why do I need to social distance then? If the mask if the mask is the panacea, why do I need a social distance? Which one is it? Which one is it? Uh, both and, and you still can't have college football this year. And you're a racist. Yeah, and I'm a racist, yes. Okay. All right, let's continue. Uh, his belief is that in the final account, the infection fatality rate will be similar to the flu, quote, somewhere between 0.1% and 0.5% of people getting infected may be dying, and that is not radically different than what we see with the yearly flu. On the controversial question of immunity, here's what he had to say. Quote, 
Uh, there are a number of small studies already that show that people who had been diagnosed with COVID-19 with PCR, not all of them develop antibodies. On the other hand, we have quite a lot of evidence that falling ill with COVID-19 twice seems to be extremely rare. Obviously, there is also quite a big part of the population that has other kinds of immunity, and T-cell immunity is the one that is most likely. What we see right now is a rapid fall in the number of cases. He's talking about his country. And of course, some kind of immunity has to be involved in that as nothing else has changed. That, mean, that means the immunity affects the R value. The R value is a stat that shows how infectious something is. And ultimately, the goal is to get to R0. That's what he means, okay? Uh, that means the immunity affects the R value quite a lot in Sweden today. Let me, let me clarify what that means again. The, for example, if something is R2, that means every person that gets it could give it to two other people. Is, is what that means, okay? All right. That means the immunity affects the R value quite a lot in Sweden today. I think it's likely that those kinds of second wave outbreaks will be easier to limit in Sweden because there is immunity in the population, meaning the amount of people that have been already exposed. All our experiences with measles and other diseases shows that we know that with large immunity in the population, it is much easier to control the outbreaks than if you don't have immunity in the population. He is restating something Dr. Scott Atlas of Stanford said on the show now two full months ago. Why have we thrown out the laws of immunology and virology that we have established with frankly, a lot worse contagions in terms of lethality than this one. Why are we suddenly throwing those things out here in this country? And Dr. Tegnell is telling you, in his country, they didn't do that. They don't have a vaccine. So they had to get their immunity, herd immunity, the natural way, because they didn't have a vaccine that could stimulate it and accelerate it medically. So they had to do it naturally. That's what he's saying. And now that they have a certain immunity threshold naturally, they're not nearly as concerned about ensuing waves. I just told you yesterday, Hong Kong is in the midst of his third wave of lockdowns. It's third waves. Reminds me of when, you know, people tell you, yeah, I, yeah, I, I go to Weight Watchers to lose weight. It's worked all seven times I've gone. Uh, 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 we have chocolate, vanilla, and strawberries. Like that time Harley Race, the great wrestling legend, came on my sports show and bragged that he was the only five-time ever world champion. And I didn't know what to say, so I just shot back at him. Doesn't that mean, though, you lost the belt five times? And that ended the interview. <laughs> right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> right? All right, but if the lockdowns work, why are you having all these extra waves? Why? Because what happens when you let these people out? What happens? They don't have immunity, and so they're, they're infected, and we just start the whole process all over again. So they work, but not the way, they, not the not way, not the way, they way they've been yes, built. Yes, yes, um, on, yes. On the emphasis, he, he talks about the emphasis on the spread of the virus to the exclusion of everything else. Here's what Dr. Tegnell says, quote, deaths are not so closely connected to the amount of cases you have in a country. Let me go back to what uh, we just heard from Chip Roy last hour. All right, so you look at, um, it looks like Texas, Florida, Arizona are going to approach New Yorkian case levels and have nowhere near the amount of deaths, for example. So there is no correlation between cases and deaths. I went through this yesterday. I had fun. I, I, I baited lefties and they, it, who walked right into my trap when I pointed out Hey, remember when Obama had 60 million cases of H1N1 10 years ago? And we didn't shut anything down. Right away. Right away. Like a moth to a flame, they couldn't, they couldn't, they couldn't hold back. 
It's not about the cases. Look at the only 15,000 people died of H1N1. We're over 130,000 deaths in America. I was waiting for that. Did you think I, I did not know that was how you were going to come back? I know you're used to dealing with stupid people, but you're not talking to one of you in this case. Um, I knew you were going to come back with that. I was waiting for you to. Because two weeks ago when we were under the epidemic threshold for deaths of coronavirus, COVID-19, and I pointed that out, you know what you all said to me? Hey, look at all the spiking cases, right? Right. Oh, yes. Yes. So now when I point out that we're at 4 million cases and that's doing more testing than anyone in the world is doing right now. And we're, we're, um, we're, we're 15 times below what we had for H1N1 under Obama 10 years ago in cases, despite all that testing. You want to talk about the deaths. When I point out, well, the deaths are now below the epidemic line. It's about the cases. Then it's about the, all the hospitalizations until it's not about, it's just a moving target. Whatever gets me the scandemic narrative that I want, whatever one. Our, our friend Daniel Horowitz has taken to calling this an emotional pandemic. Yes. That's right on the money. Whatever gets me the emotional affirmation thought out of this. I don't care about data science. Doesn't matter. I just want, I want the emotion. I emote. Therefore I am. Well, in Sweden, they just didn't care about any of that. So they followed the science. And he goes on to say, uh, deaths are not so closely connected to the amount of cases you have in a country. There are so many other things that influence the amount of deaths you have. What part of the population gets hit, for example? Meaning if, we're, if it's, you know, the average, the average, we're not seeing a skyrocketing hospitalization or, 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 or death rate in Iowa, even though we're having, we have a skyrocketing case rate right now. Why? Because the average age of a new case in Iowa is 22 years old. And those people are just in the prime of their lives in general. So what part of the population gets hit? Is it the elderly people? How well can you protect people in your long-term facilities? How well does your healthcare system continue to function? How can we improve the treatment in ICUs? All of these things have been changing a lot in the past few months. Those things will influence mortality a lot more, I think, than the actual spread of the disease itself. A point of order. You bet. Uh, have we done this show before? <laughs> Since March! At least this is my Abbey Road. Right? <laughs> Just playing I mean, the hits. I, I know you're listening to Polythene Pam again. But it's still a good song, right? Right? I mean, I know, I know, here comes the sun. I know you know all the words. I know. But you're still singing along, right? At least I'm hoping that's the case. <laughs> I'm hoping this is my Abbey Road. And uh, not my uh, YouTube mirror ball. Remember that disaster? What? Exactly. That was the album that U2 sweetened. <laughs> All right? U2 uh, uh, came out with Actong Baby, maybe the best album. It's, it is the best album I think they've ever done. One of the best rock albums of all time. And they followed it up with Mirrorball. Do you remember this? Never heard of that in my life. You remember this time? That's when they got like real, real left-wing political and uh, and and what's-his-face uh, Bono starts calling George H.W. Bush the White House from the stage. Remember this? I do. And it was just a disaster. Yeah. That's yeah. why Aaron just said what? Yeah, yeah. They 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 have uh, they have uh, memory hold that album. It's like it doesn't happen. Yeah, they don't talk about it. Doesn't come up. It's like they went from rattle and hum right to act tongue baby, and it's like 1990, 1991, 92, like like nineteen ninety nine never happened, right? Yeah. So I'm hoping this is not my mirror ball. I hoping I'm hoping it's our act tongue baby or our Joshua tree. That's what I'm hoping. 
because we are we are playing the hits <laughs> unfortunately <laughs> yes well we're waiting for people to listen to them all right um uh tegnell Anders Tegnell, the, the chief infectious disease expert in Sweden, quote, believes or he, he believes strongly that eradication, like the zero tolerance approach, like you can just eradicate this virus without natural immunity or a vaccine, which is what the UK and US are trying to do. He does not believe this is a viable option. You think he writes or he says, I don't think that this is a, a disease that we can eradicate, not with the methods that we have right now. It might be a disease that in the long term we can eradicate with a vaccine. But I'm not even sure about that. If you look at comparable diseases like the flu and other respiratory viruses, we are not even close to eradicating them despite the fact we have a vaccine. I personally believe that this is a disease we are going to have to learn to live with. Of course, we are trying to keep the mortality rates as low as possible. But at the same time, we have to look to the we have to look at the draconian measures you are talking about. Are they going to produce even more deaths by other means than the disease itself? Somehow we need to have the discussion of what we are actually trying to achieve. Is it better for public health as a whole, or is it trying to suppress COVID-19 as much as possible? Because getting rid of it, I don't think is going to happen. It happened for a short time in New Zealand and maybe Iceland, and those kinds of countries might be able to keep it away, meaning because they're so... Um, they're islands. Yeah, they're islands that aren't densely populated, except for a couple of areas, right, okay. Uh, but with the global world we have today, keeping a disease like this away has never been possible in the past and it would be even more surprising if it were possible in the future and then finally he says after all these months now what's he think of his own approach how would he assess it all right here's what he said i think it's a to a, I think it's a great ex, it's it's a I think to a great extent it's been a success. We are now seeing rapidly falling cases. We have continuously had healthcare that has been working. There have been free beds at any given time. Never any crowding in the hospitals. We have been able to keep schools open, which we think is extremely important, and society fairly open while still having social distancing in place in a way that means that the spread of the disease has been limited. The failure has, of course, been the death toll. That has been very much related in the, to the long-term care facilities in Sweden. Now that has improved, we ha we see a lot less cases in those face uh, cases in those facilities. There seems to be a close connection to how many people are introduced to the disease at the same time. Mass spreader events, you know, like like seventy thousand people at a in, in, outdoors all night long in a, in a at, at, at a at a protest, for example. Where are they all going to the bathroom? What are they touching when they do? Right? Mm-hmm. Um, the spring holidays in Sweden are spread over four different weeks, depending on different geographical regions. Unfortunately, Stockholm happened to have its spring holiday just when there was an enormous spread of COVID-19 in Europe. So a lot of Swedes living in the Stockholm area came back home with the disease. And that started an epidemic on a level that was much higher than the start of what the, we saw south of Sweden or in Finland or in Norway. Currently, that's to me the most likely theory that if you have massive introduction, it's going to be a disease that is very, very hard to control. Stockholm, in other words, was more like London or New York than Oslo or Helsinki in terms of the introduction of the virus. So that's Anders Tegnell. He is the chief infectious disease expert in Sweden. He's been overseeing their epidemiological response to COVID-19 from the beginning, doing an assessment 
of what they did that worked, that did not work, and what they were surprised by and what they've learned. Gentlemen, your thoughts on that conversation. At the end of the day, when we look back on this, I, I can't help. I need to believe that there's going to be an assessment with that much distance that's a lot closer to what he's doing. And with that being said, the Black Plague back in the 1300s, it, if my memory serves, Steve, it was... Wasn't it something like between one third and one fourth of every European, northern European, died? I mean, that many people yes. died from yeah. the Black Plague. Yeah. I mean, just, it was a game it of It could rush. wipe out entire villages, yes. entire cities. I think historically, the, the over the centuries or so plus that they dealt with it, I want to say that the CFR was like 36% or some, or even 50%, like some crazy yes. number. Yeah just a game of Russian roulette and that's what people are acting still uh, all the time about what's happening if we get the sports going anything like that when you look right now almost everywhere you look at all cause mortality you can't tell that there's a thing called coronavirus meaning that there's just the as many people death rate who's dying the overall death rate, I think Texas is 2% above where it normally is in yes. the end of July. Yes. Okay. The overall death rate, meaning the total number of people dying, has not been altered all that much by the presence of these 140,000 tragic, sad deaths yes. we weren't counting on because of COVID-19. Which is what I told you back in March, which is the problem with counting the flu. The flu, it's a terrible flu season. Well, listen, the, the flu kills old people who are just like it does. Uh, does with a coronavirus who are at the end of their life who are in old folks homes and the average lifespan there if you last a year you're quite frankly lucky people like my father who went down fast when he went down fast at the beginning of all this whether it was coronavirus or not we are going to look back at our measuring stick for this thing and wonder if we as a people were utterly insane here's at least two things that at this point, a rational functioning society that was honest with itself would learn and take as the lessons from this. Number one, the next time that there is a novel coronavirus and there will be another novel coronavirus because there are tons of coronaviruses and different iterations of coronavirus. All of us probably have had coronavirus. Maybe not this one, but all of us have had a coronavirus. The next time there's a novel coronavirus that has any indication whatsoever that it spreads really well, the first lesson should be, we can't control this. We tried lockdowns, we tried masks, we tried social distancing, we tried more lockdowns, we tried all of these measures. And it didn't stop the spread. You can't stop a virus. Admit you're not in control. Number two, if it's a coronavirus, as Dr. John Ioannidis said back in March, some coronaviruses, when they get into nursing home populations, have a CFR, a case fatality rate, of upwards of 8%. So what should our first action be? Lockdown anywhere. Anywhere after there's an indication of an infection of a novel coronavirus, lockdown anywhere where there are elderly people. And then the third thing is never, ever, 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 ever think about shutting down the schools again. Contrast that with the lessons that we seem to be learning right now. 
number one, we need another episode uh, or we need another season of Tiger King really bad. That's that's lesson number one. Uh, Lesson number two is masks work really great, except for when they don't. And lesson number three, lockdowns work really, really great, except for when they don't. And lesson number three, a you're racist. So today in the overtime, we're going to show you two charts that we've been saving for you. And everything you just heard from Anders Tegno, the head of Sweden's infectious disease uh, program, everything you just heard is going to be encapsulated in these two charts. And you're going to see that this is one of the biggest lies you've ever been told by people in both parties. The president's not telling you the truth about this. She's not. She's not telling you the truth. She's still trying to claim lockdowns work and save lives. No, they didn't. They didn't work. We, we took a bunch of healthy people, locked them down, didn't get them exposed. Then we realized, oh bleep, we're going to wreck our economy for the foreseeable future. We better let these people back out. Well, now they're exposed. Because we withheld natural immunity. So, no, I don't believe you say, I, I, don't, I don't believe that if we had not done lockdowns, we'd have seen a demonstrably higher death toll. I don't believe that. I don't. You know why? Because I look at the data. We're now over 45% of all deaths in America have occurred in nursing homes. That stat, by the way, here's what's funny about that stat. A couple of weeks ago, it was 43%. It's 45% now. Which means, go back to what Anders Tegnell said that I just quoted for you. There's not a correlation automatic correlation between the number of cases and the number of deaths, right? Depends on who's getting infected, right? Mm-hmm. So now that we're seeing higher cases than we've ever had before, the percentage of people who died in nursing homes is actually going up. Why? Because the healthier people are getting it now and can push back on the virus. We denied this for months. So no, I don't believe if we had not done lockdowns all along that we would have seen hundreds of thousands of more people die. The data is currently showing the exact opposite is actually true. More in a moment. So how did the supplement industry become one of the most lucrative in the world? Well, it's because unfortunately a lot of the food we eat today is stripped of the vitamins, nutrients, minerals, prebiotics, probiotics, omega oils, antioxidants that we need so that it will last longer on the shelf. It can be sold more and cheaper uh, to you and I, but then we're not as healthy as we need to be. So we go get the supplements on the back end. Same thing happens with our pet's food as well. Uh, a lot of the dog food, especially the dry stuff that you buy for your pet, a lot of that's been stripped of the good stuff as well. That's where Rough Greens Vitasmart comes in and wants to put the good stuff back in. Because it's not a new dog food, it's a new dog food supplement that, that puts all the stuff your pet really needs in their diet back into it. And apparently, I can't vouch for this, I've not sampled it myself, but our dog Cap thinks it tastes great. Um, I mean, he inhales his food when we mix this in with it each and every day. So 
not only makes it healthier, but maybe even makes it better as well. If you want to see if your dog can show the difference in 14 days or less, get the 14-day Jumpstart bag today for just $14.95 when you go to roughgreens.com slash blaze. That's R-U-F-F for roughgreens.com slash blaze. Just got this announcement uh, from the Mucky Mucks here at the Blaze. Right now, if you go to blazetv.com slash dace, that's where you can go uh, to sign up for a Blaze TV subscription and get uh, a discount, $10 off a subscription to Blaze TV. If you sign up for the free trial right now, we're going to let you see for free the video that Big Tech banned yesterday of this group of physicians, some from uh, UCLA by some accounts is the number one rated public university in this country. The vast majority of us could not get into UCLA. And yet, uh, some avocado toast obsessed uh, millennial uh, or or Jack at Twitter thinks they're more equipped to determine what you can see about coronavirus than than that doctor is. We are posting this video right now at Blaze TV. You can watch it for free if you sign up for the free trial right now. You can see what Big Tech is trying to ban when you go to blazetv.com slash dace. Again, blazetv.com slash dace. You can sign up for the free trial. If you decide at the end of the free trial, you guys suck at this, and I only wanted to see the video, well, that's, you know, cancel. But if you want to stay, it's $10 off your subscription, and we're going to show you the video that Big Tech doesn't want you to see. blazetv.com slash dace. And that's where we go to get our final guest in here with us today. Will Chamberlain is with us. Uh, he is the editor-in-chief of one of the granddaddies uh, in conservative media, Human Events. But he's also the senior counsel at the Internet Accountability Project. So this is a very timely conversation. Will, it's good to have you with us today on Blaze TV. Welcome to the program. My name is Steve Dace. How are you? Doing great. Thanks to be with you. Oh, great to be with you, rather. Uh, so, Will, I, I tweeted this out earlier today, and I want to get your take on it that there's clearly been saber rattling towards big tech censorship from the White House and several people within the Republican Party. Big tech clearly did not, uh, was not intimidated by that uh, saber rattling. If anything, it's actually gotten, uh, it, it, it's flaunted it all the more. It, it's gotten more emboldened uh, and brazen, especially what it did to Don Jr. last night. Uh, again, I don't know how many of these doctors know anything, if they're right. I, I just know that these are people that are licensed medical professionals. And if they're all quacks, then we need to go to all of their local licensing boards and have all those people put in prison for unleashing uh, quacks upon the populace and licensing them as doctors. Well, big tech is doing this. And, and I'm wondering, do, 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 do the conservatives understand here that their bluff is being called, that there's going to be a war here? And even if they think tweeting is the war, it's not. Big tech is upping the ante in this election year, and they need to respond accordingly. Otherwise, if you step to arguably the most powerful corporation in the world, Google, if you step to them and then you back down, if you thought they were bad before, wait till they see that you're, 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 you're weak and you're not going to follow through, Will. Or, or even worse, wait until they have a democratic administration and they don't have administration they have to fear at all. Right. Uh, an administration that will encourage them right. when it comes to sensory conservatives. Um, I think for a long time, conservatives have been reluctant to understand the idea that these companies posed an existential threat to the conservative movement. Um, in general, conservatives are pro-business. Uh, we want to generally let the free market work. Um, but 
one has to look at these companies and realize that the combination of their dominant market power, monopoly power, with their anti-conservative bias uh, is extraordinarily destructive. And uh, we need to use the remedies available as, to us to try and fix it. And the most obvious one that come, jumps right out is antitrust law. This is law that's on the books um, and law that we should expect our companies to obey. It's not This is not new law, it's just law on the books. And, and we should be willing to use it to ensure that these companies don't have the power to extinguish a political movement. When this conversation first began about a year or two ago, um, you know, my, my free market devotion immediately spouted up uh, or sprouted up. And I'm like, you know, hey, do we really want to go down this road? And I, I, I did something we don't do a lot in America today. I listened to arguments of people I didn't agree with to see if they had a point that I didn't understand. Okay, as opposed to just you know, going into my silo and and saying and calling you whatever the pejorative name for your tribe I'm not in and just assuming I'm correct. That's how we typically handle these matters nowadays, right? Okay. And one of the things I listen to arguments from people like you that kind of crystallized this for me. And and I use this analogy a lot. I just used it again earlier today on Twitter is go back to the invention of modern telecommunications in the telephone which revolutionized um, the way that we communicate, the way that information is disseminated throughout the world, right? And imagine if Ma Bell said, hey, we don't like the politics of so-and-so, so they can't have a phone number. We, we don't like the views on, on a particular cultural or science issue of, of blankety blank, so they can't, they can't have a phone number. Uh, the Grand Cyclops or the KKK can't have a number or the civil rights activists because we're racist. They can't have a number, right? Imagine if they determined who got access to the information age on the basis of whatever their particular corporate bent was. We deregulated Ma Bell for a hell of a lot less than that. And that is exactly what I see that these internet companies are doing. And I hadn't really looked at it like that before. And until, and then what really brought it home even more is when I interviewed the guy who runs Parler. And he talked about, hey, let me tell you what it's like to try to bring a competitor to the market. Because it's not just that, that you're up against these companies, but they control what goes in their app stores and everything else. You can come up with a software that's even better than Twitter, but if you can't bring it to market and get it to the masses, and who controls all of that? Uh, Google, Apple. If you, can't, if you can't get it to market, it's irrelevant. You can't compete with them. They own all the data. They own all the market share and the ability of who gets access to that same market. That is the definition of an antitrust situation. We would not have allowed Ma Bell to say during Spanish flu, a hundred years ago, yeah, we don't want to put a phone line in that community because, uh, you know, the uh, doctors there are quacky and believe in natural herb medicine. We'd have never put up with something like that. Even if we thought they were dumb, we wouldn't have done that. That's exactly what we're allowing and permitting right now, Will. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. And and people who object, you can't object to antitrust enforcement and then say, well, the market will solve the problem. Antitrust enforcement is necessary to ensure there is a competitive market mm -hmm. in the first place mm -hmm. to allow for competition to compete away these censorship concerns. Um, and then also about how this kind of totalitarian way of censoring one side of a scientific debate, that's extremely scary. Uh, I think the best analogy for that is from the Soviet Union, um, and your, your viewers might not be familiar with this name, but Trofim Lysenko was um, somebody associated, I believe, with Stalin. And he had a, a view, a scientific view of how agriculture worked that was flat wrong and was massively depressing yields and leading to people starving. 
And he got the Soviet government to make his view, the enforced view and the views of other people who were believed in normal Mendelian genetics. Uh, those people were silenced. A few were even killed for proffering a different view of genetic science. Uh, and I see that similarly here. I'm not, I'm not even speaking to whether or not, you know, the, the people at the White Coat Summit were right or wrong. I, I don't really care. I just think if you're having a scientific debate, you should never have non-scientists imposing their will and saying only one right. truth is, should be talked about. Like the whole nature of the scientific process is that people need to be able to challenge the Gal Galileo called and said, history shows the ones stifling scientific dissent tend to be the ones the least curious about actual scientific inquiry, right? Right, right. And I mean, I'm a coronavirus hawk, honestly. Like, I mean, I, we were at human events, we were pushing articles about the need for more mass production all the way back in February and March when the dominant scientific consensus was saying masks don't help, masks are stupid. Mm -hmm. So I, you know, I'm a person who generally thinks, you know, this is a serious public health crisis and we should do more. And I still am just blown away by the idea that we would censor this, the you know, a, an opposite belief just because we're worried people might adhere to that idea. I mean, don't, that, that's completely anathema to the ideas of a free society and, and the First Amendment, the idea that, if, you know, the curative to bad speech is more speech. Will, tell, tell our audience, explain to them, what is Section 230C? And, and why is that, why, why is that the, the, the line of demarcation in this conversation? So, I mean, there are two portions of, of the relevant part of Section 230. One is that it, the idea that the, speaker of online speech on is not is not the platform right that even if the platform is the place where the speech is published they are not the speaker and that's relevant to defamation law because under normal circumstances if you repost someone's defamatory statement then you are treated as having made it yourself mm -hmm. um, and so this area of federal law essentially provides an exemption for defamation and for other types of unlawful speech advocacy of terrorism things like that um, and then there's a second part of 230 that's also important, which is actually a little more important, which gives them liability, a liability shield for removal of objectionable content in good faith. And that's a little less talked about, but it's actually the bigger problem because much of what conservatives are dealing right now is censorship being right. deplatformed, losing their investment of massive amounts of time and energy. So, Will, is this why, regardless whether you like these individuals or not, okay, and I'm certainly no Alex Jones fan, but if you're Alex Jones, if you're Laura Loomer, if you're Gavin McInnes, I'm not saying all three of those people are the same individual. They're just names that have been caught up in this, right? Okay? I'm not making a moral equivalency between them or lumping them together. They're just three names that were targeted by big tech. And they're literally putting out releases saying these people are dangerous, how is that not some kind of a slanderous or libelous statement? I mean, I've been amazed they did not push back. I mean, the largest companies in the country are using their platforms to label me as a danger to my to my fellow neighbor. I mean, I, 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 I'm surprised no one's called them on this. That do you do you have the liability power? By what standard would you declare this? How do we define that? How is that not a, a defamation of my character for a company like Google to say that about Alex Jones? He may be dangerous. I don't know, but who gets to determine that? I mean, it's 
so there's there's two big problems. I mean, I'm actually going to go into a little bit of defamation law right now. Two big problems with prosecute, you know, pursuing any defamation case. I mean, one is that the statement has to be provably false, and so it can't a statement of opinion can't be defamatory. And so merely saying someone is dangerous, I mean, unless it's a really specific claim, it's hard to be falsifiable. So that's one problem. But the bigger problem, and one that I actually think your viewers and everyone on the conservative side should be concerned about, is the fact that defamation law in this country is the most plaintiff unfriendly area of law in basically the entire civil tort era, in, in all of all the civil torts. Um, and that's because of a decision called New York Times v. Sullivan, which says that you have to prove actual malice on the part of the person lying about you in order to have a claim if you're a lim either a limited purpose public figure or a general purpose public figure. Um, and that's almost impossible because what that requires is that you prove with evidence that the person knowingly lied, which means you need to have some physical evidence of them saying, I know that this is not true, but I'm going to say it anyway. Uh, and that's not a standard that we use in any other area of tort law. Negligence is the normal standard. Um, so, yeah, that's it's a real challenge. All right. So we've got a minute left here. What's the next? Wh what? Where does this story go next? How will we know if the Republicans are actually serious about a fight this time for once? I mean, it, it starts, I think, here, we need to get behind the idea of DOJ trying to enforce antitrust laws in the run-up to the election. Um, and the second thing we need to hope for and work very, very hard to achieve is President Trump and the Republicans coming to back into power. Because as bad as it is right now, people have to understand it will get much, much worse in the world of a Biden administration. Because that's at that point, the people who are running Twitter and the people who are in the White House will be friends. They will be the same people. And when it's actually the worst possible environment for censorship of conservative speech, because think about it, if Twitter were nationalized, they would be governed by the First Amendment and they'd have to act like a public university and have to let everybody speak. Mm -hmm. But when Twitter is a private company doing the bidding yeah. of the White House, it's the worst of both worlds. Perfect, it's yep. the worst of both worlds. Yep, it, it is. You're right. All right. Great stuff. Will Chamberlain, Human Events, Internet Accountability Project. Thanks, Will. Appreciate it. Thank you. That goes to what you said, I think, on Friday, Todd, that you are you are as angry, mad, upset, dejected by the Trump presidency as you have been this entire time and the closest to voting for him than you have yeah. ever been at the exact same time. And I time meant every word of that. Because of it, he just articulated why. Yeah. Right? I mean, he's a, the Trump administration is a clear failure in my eyes. But, you know, I, I live in Iowa right now, and you just you can see that we have blessings of liberty here because we Went have- to my a, state high school baseball tournament. Yeah, last yeah, night I sat know. outside enjoyed some normalcy went down there with the family yep. yeah absolutely i'm gonna vote to preserve that and if it means it's happening under the the inadequacy of the trump administration i can roll with that it's not a promise at this point but they may go that direction if you want to again if you want to see this video that big tech has censored that approximately 700 of you have emailed to me this already today. All right. If you want to see this video, we will show it to you for free if you just sign up for the free trial today. BlazeTV.com slash Dace. Trial meaning you can cancel if you don't like it. You don't want to pay. All right. But you can watch this video today and make up your own mind. BlazeTV.com slash Dace. That's where you can go. Again, that's BlazeTV.com slash Dace. Um, at some point, at some point, and I think this is it, actually. I, I think I have to, I've been asked, hey, if we, if we lose here, what happens? If we lose here, what happens? If you lose the ability to counter the narrative, if you no longer control the flow of your own information, 
that's 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 the one issue you can't lose right here. I agree wholeheartedly with Will. If you allow this to go down, if we allow it to go down, then our ability to get our message out comprehensively, I mean, we're, we're you know, we're, we're flying pigeons while they're using telephones. And we're on rotary dial phones, man, while they're on the information superhighway uh, controlling all of the social media that's the city gate nowadays. This this is a... We can't afford not to fight this war, and it's one that just has to be won, period. Has to be won, period, period. That'll do it for today. Back at it again tomorrow, noon to 2 Eastern, right after Glenn Beck here on Blaze TV. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network.